Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. Welcome to our Astros Twins Game 1 postgame show. Joining me, as always, my co-host and regular sidekick, a fellow H-Town sports junkie and longtime journalist, Stephen Curran. Stephen, it felt like the same old Astros we'd all seen all year long most of this game. No clutch hitting, lack of focus in the field, poor base running. But then, thank you, Minnesota, for gift-wrapping that one nicely. Polanco with the air in the ninth inning. And the Twins do what the Twins do in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and Robert, the postseason is so much about taking advantage of or blowing opportunities. I mean, the Astros had numerous opportunities to take control throughout the game, and so did the Twins. But when it came to the ultimate chance to put game one away, normally you and I would be sitting here talking about why the Astros didn't put it away, but it was the Twins, and it was their defense that blinked, and the Astros were the ones who actually took advantage of an opportunity, and eventually the the winning run became because of a defensive play that the Twins didn't make. It wasn't become because of the Astros' bats, but Brantley, with that timely hit, put the game out of reach with that two-run single. How about Uncle Mike, baby? Yeah, I'm going to get to that. we got to go through this game a little bit, but I want to get to the maybe the biggest decision of the game or, or one of the bigger decisions of the game. Be honest. What did you think when they pulled Granky after four? I really wasn't that surprised, to be honest, because he had already thrown 79 pitches. Yeah, he was pitching well, but, you know, I, I think I saw a stat where once he gets above 80, he starts to labor. He starts, and, and he did have to labor throughout the game. So it really didn't surprise me that they put him in. I'm just glad they put Framber Valdez in. And it looked for a minute like it might not be a good decision because you're bringing a guy out of the bullpen that's used to being a starter. He's He still has issues in the past of getting his head together, and now you're throwing him off his routine. But he settled down, and the rest is history, obviously. But I, I really wasn't that surprised when they pulled Grinke just because he just can't seem to go more than four or five innings, especially in the postseason where your leash on your starters is probably going to be a little shorter anyway. It's a big I told you so from Houston Sports Talk because I told you Granke is not the best pitcher on the Astros staff. It didn't surprise me that he was struggling. Yeah, it was one run in four innings, but it was scary the whole time. And, you know, Granke gets out of that jam on a line drive to Yuli in the first inning and then the fantastic play by Bregman with the number to third base. But, you know, he was laboring every inning just to get out. And the, the, the problem with Granke at this point in his career, Stephen, He's not a swing and miss guy. He, he's got to like outsmart you. And if you're missing corners, it's over real fast. Well, and that's one of the reasons, Robert, especially in that first inning, three of the last four batters he faced in that inning when he threw 30 pitches, he took to full counts. I mean, you can't do that throughout the game and expect to stay in very long. And Kenta Maeda, he was struggling too. They, you know, the Astros were making him work, but they just couldn't break through. And I'll tell you something else. Grinky was really fortunate that he had a great defense behind him, especially in that first inning. Because, you know, Robert, 51% of the runs that the Twins scored during the regular season came by way of the homer. I mean, imagine how catastrophic that would have been if they had blown it open in the first inning by hitting a home run or getting a big hit that, that would have put the Astros down very quickly. And when you're talking about defense, yeah, uh, Bregman... He made that play in the first inning. Gurriel was at the right place at the right time. Bregman made another great barehanded play later in the game. 
And the Astros had a, a 991 fielding percentage coming into this series, tops in the league. And the Twins had a pretty good defense too, but it, it was the defense that made the difference and, and lost the game for the Twins. Yeah, remind me, I want to get back to Fromber, but I want to speak to that defense because, you know, the Astros, you just brought up a stat that I hadn't heard about how good their defense has been all year. To me, if you're watching the Astros this year, there's a lot of times where I felt like, you know, Correa was great, but there was a lot of other guys that you were just, you would hold your breath a lot more than you used to, especially somebody like Altuve. And 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 that leads me to the third inning where it's not always an error that they would make, but it was just like, what's going on with these guys? And the third inning, the Twins first run went over Reddick's head in right field. Tim Kirchin said on the broadcast that there wasn't a sense of urgency by Reddick. Kirchin, not usually quick to criticize. He's a pretty level-headed guy. He's not one of these ESPN guys that's like, hey, look at me. And, you know, from my perspective, Stephen Reddick could have hurried a little more. It was almost like he was, you know, just getting around very gingerly. Maybe there's a leg problem he hasn't mentioned. But if there isn't one, I just thought it was a little suspect, especially from a player who's known for going all out. Yeah, that was a little surprising. I mean, and Josh Reddick, his arm in right field is good. He he normally plays a pretty sound right field, but I, I don't know that you could say he was loafing on that particular play, but it, it was a little surprising. The outfield play, you know, if, if there is a bit of a kink in the Astros defense, it would certainly be in the outfield. Yeah, and, and Reddick had a chance to make up for it the next inning. He had three hittable pitches with the bases loaded, and he missed two of them. Yeah. And didn't swing at the other one. And that could have been costly too. I just, when Josh Reddick comes up when there's guys on base and I looked at it and it's not as bad as it feels like sometimes, but Josh Reddick with guys on base and in clutch situations, I just don't feel like he's going to give you much. I mean, he got the single in this game, but nobody was on, of course. Right. Yeah. There, there weren't any runners to, to score on that play. And, you know, that's been a problem with the whole Astros team is this hitting with runners on base or with runners in scoring position. And there was a lot of point during that game that they didn't do that, but at least when it counted and, you know, they got that gift that uh, kind of helped them through it. But uh, it's still a bit of a concern as you head into game two of this series. Let's go to the seventh inning because Springer ties the game with the base hit. But what was Martin Maldonado doing? He just looked like he stopped playing. Like he thought there was uh yeah, he thought that was the third. I don't know what he was doing. He just got thrown out at third base. And I'm like, Martin Maldonado, it's a single to center field. Yeah, you don't make it past second base on a single to center field when you're at first base. Well, you certainly don't if you're a catcher like Maldonado. I mean, he's not the slowest runner in the world, but he certainly isn't the fastest. It, it's kind of interesting because he beat out that grounder that was hit to Marwin Gonzalez, and then he turns around and gets thrown out at third. Yeah, they, they, they ran themselves out of what could have been an, a potentially better inning because of that. Thank goodness it didn't come back to haunt them in the rest of the game. Yeah, that grounded to third base. It was Marwin uh, basically couldn't corral it. The ball gets away a few feet, and he still made it a lot closer than most runners would have made it because he's Martin Maldonado. He's not fast at all. <laughs> and then uh, let's go to the ninth inning because uh, that's where this game was decided. Polanco gives the Astros the gift error, which we talked about earlier on Springer's ground ball. Jose Altuve, he walks with the bases loaded, Tough at bat for Altuve. Like he really worked it. Still not lacing baseballs around the ballpark, Stephen, but he, he picks up a couple of walks in this one. I feel like he's shown a 
better batting eye in the last week or two. And that's a positive sign for one. Yes, it absolutely is. And that can sometimes get your confidence up. And, uh, you know, maybe the rest of his hitting will come around. You know, sometimes it's not only the pitches you swing at, but the pitches you don't swing at. And thankfully, Altuve didn't swing because it, it was it was obvious that Romo was not able to find the plate. And fortunately, we got the gift with the run. And then Michael Brantley comes through with that hit. So, yeah, great job by Jose Altuve. Just having a good batting eye and not swinging at a bad pitch and uh, getting that walk, uh, run walked in. All right. We could talk about Altuve and what he did. And we could talk about Michael Brantley getting those couple extra runs to help out in the ninth inning. But... Let's talk about the hero of this game. Framber Valdez is the first relief pitcher to throw five scoreless innings in a playoff game since Madison Baumgartner in game seven of the 2014 World Series. Right. Framber Valdez, Stephen, it's becoming more and more obvious. He's the best pitcher on the Astros. I don't think there's a question at this point. There, there's no argument there. And he was also the longest Astros re- to reliever or at least Astros pitcher to pitch in relief in the postseason for the Astros since, remember Uncle Charlie? Charlie Morton in that 2017 World Series? Well, Framber Valdez passed him in five innings doing that. So, yeah, there there is definitely no argument. I mean, he just solidified that he was the best pitcher on this team, bar none, going into the postseason. And you wondered, how would he handle the postseason pressure? The first time he's, he's really had that prominent a role in the postseason. And you wondered... Well, you don't have to wonder after today because he came through. And I tell you why it's a big deal that the Astros win this game. I think Maeda is the best pitcher by far that the Twins are going to throw at you, at least as a starting pitcher. And then you got these next two games. Jose Barrios, we talked about this in our preview. Five games against the Astros in his career, 6.43 ERA. Pineda's going the next game, scheduled to go. Nine games against the Astros, 5.06 ERA. We talked about Maeda struggling against the Astros in a, in a one-career regular season start. But, you know, he pitched pretty darn well in that playoff series as a reliever with the Dodgers. But these next two guys, Stephen, they're extremely beatable. And it sounds like Arquiti's got to be going game two, right? Yeah, I would have to think so because you've already used Valdez. You've already said that uh, Lance McCullers is going to pitch game three. So you have to think it's Urquidy in game two. And then you have Christian Javier in the bullpen behind him if he should get into some trouble. And, you know, you really didn't use much of your bullpen in game one because you had Grinky going four, and then you had Valdez going the rest of the way. So your bullpen is pretty fresh. So, you know, from a pitching standpoint, if, if you're just looking at it from a logical standpoint, the Astros have the edge. But the bats have still got to come through. I mean, no matter what, no matter who's pitching, I mean, the the Astros have proven in the last few weeks that they just haven't been able to hit bad pitching, much less good pitching. So the hitting has still got to come through, and they've got to do a better job of not only getting runners on base, but scoring them and not stranding them. You know who loves this? And it's going to surprise people, but I think a lot of people might forget that Jeff Luno was experimenting with something in the minor leagues early on in his tenure as the Astros GM where he would piggyback one guy throwing a few innings in the minor leagues for the first, you know, three or four innings. I think it was for four innings. And then the second guy would come in for the next four innings. This It's kind of exactly what we saw in this game. This is like Jeff Luno's 
original plan, I think. <laughs> Jeff Luno's original plan without Jeff Luno being there to see it realized. And, you know, I'm sure it wasn't necessarily by design because of that. But that's a great point. I hadn't even thought about that fact. But, you know, who's to say that couldn't happen in game two? You know, if, if Urquidy goes four or five innings and he still has his team in a position to win and you put somebody like Christian Javier in and he goes the next Yep, three or four innings, then you've got another scenario where the same as game one. You know, the Astros would just keep doing that and uh, wouldn't have to use that much of their bullpen. One thing that I thought was extremely interesting when I was listening to the broadcast, and, you know, you don't get a ton of a chance to listen to the national guys talking about the Astros. And I know everybody was upset, Stephen, because, oh, brother, they, they, they brought the cheating and the trash cans up the whole game. But, I mean, come on. That's the story, right? Isn't it? <laughs> It, it, whether you like it or not, and I've said this before, you know, the Astros, they were caught. They deserve all the reaction they're getting. Nobody's pulling for them to win. I'm sure a lot of people are crying because, once again, you know, you figured, well, the Twins, surely they'll snap that 16-game losing streak and beat the Astros, the cheaters. But you know what? This is this is what the Astros are going to have to face. And it's even as an Astros fan, it's, it's hard to feel sorry for them with the perception that they've created. So, yeah, it's... Like it or not, that is that is the perception they have. And I was getting to this point because Tim Kirkshin mentioned on the broadcast that he doesn't see the confidence from this Astros team that they've had in past years. And this is something that I definitely agree with because you can see it in the body language, especially when I watch two players in particular, Springer and Bregman. They just typically ooze confidence and you can almost feel this extra weight on them and, and the other Astro hitters. You know, I just thought that that was an interesting observation from an outsider's perspective. Cause I, I was kind of feeling that the same, I was kind of feeling the same way about that. Well, maybe during the game, I, I think that's the case, but you know, once they did pull it out from what I understand, they were dancing and partying in the clubhouse after the game and, you know, feeling better about that. So I don't know if that will carry over into game two, but it's, it's true. The Astros certainly don't have the swagger that they had in 2017 and even in 2018 and 2019, you know, having a sub 500 season, they're, they're fortunate to even be in the postseason. See, I, I think a lot of the swagger is gone and it's been a hard year for a number of reasons, but who knows, maybe the, the game one win, maybe that's injected them with a little bit. Maybe they'll come out with a little more swagger in games two and three, but I, I still think Robert that they've got their work cut out for them. Yes. They're in the driver's seat. They only have to win one more game, but the twins, you know, they, there still could be two more games here. So the Astros just can't afford to let this opportunity slip away from them. Any angle that we've missed, Steve, anything I haven't mentioned? The, I felt like I hit on the major points in the game, but it, was there a, a bigger angle or something smaller that happened that you found interesting? Well, not so much for the game, but uh, I did find it interesting that the Astros have at least addressed one of the possible signings that they could have had in the offseason. They went ahead and addressed it right before the, reg the uh, postseason started by re-signing Yuli Gurriel to uh, a one-year contract for 2021 and a club option for 22. So they they actually got that out of the way, and your, uh, Yuli is going to remain with the team for the next, at least for the next year, and maybe for the next two years. So it was interesting with the timing, but I, I think it was a good move just considering the fact that a Yuli really wants to be here, and b the Astros are even thinner at first base than they are in the outfield, depending on what happens next year and who you resign and who you don't resign. So that, that was something that, that kind of caught my attention 
before game one started. Yuli didn't do anything major at the plate. I, I, I want to say he had, did he have one hit in this game? Is that it? Yeah, I think he had the, the one, but you know, certainly nothing significant. But what I what I do want to say is that he made a, a couple of really great defensive plays, like underrated great defensive plays in this game. Yeah, we mentioned it earlier when he caught that line drive by Rosario in the first inning. He just went there. I mean, that ball was hit. It was a shot, but he was in the right place at the right time. So his defense has been good, and he's he's had some flashes at the plate throughout the season, and he did touch the plate when Altuve walked. So he did score the the potential win or the eventual winning run. But uh, yeah, I just Good to, to see that Yuli will be back at least for one more year, and we don't have that question to answer, so you can check that box off, but there are still plenty more questions to come. Yeah, don't forget, when Granke was pitching, and I can't remember if it might have been the second or third inning, Yuli made a play on a shot down the right field line, and on national television, you're probably listening on, on radio, Stephen, but on national television, it's just kind of made it like a ho-hum, like he just kind of went, oh, yeah, Guriel makes a diving play over it. For, and I was like, wait a second. That was a great – that would have been a double. And Yuli just stretched out. It was hit hard down the line. And he made a really nice play. So I, I thought, you know, that play was, you know, not quite as big as the other one. But it was a much more difficult play and a, and a crucial – I mean, you know, every run in this game, obviously, it's a playoff game. But especially with the way the Astros are hitting – Everyone is a big, big deal. Is that the one then that uh, Polanco hit the the shortstop? Is that the one you're talking about in the second inning? I think that's uh, that sounds that, right. That maybe the, the one you're referring to. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. Again, I, I don't know if the TV commentators just don't want to cheer for the Astros when they make a good play. If they just have that, you know, that same mentality. But that was quite a play. So you know, again, a, a several defensive plays, couple by Gurriel, couple by Bregman that uh, really stood out in this game. Final note, and I don't mean to be a, a, you know, Debbie Downer about this, but I, I did notice that there was an interesting little side note that Dusty Baker has lost each of his last six postseason series he's managed with five of those series decided by a winner-take-all game. So we don't want to get to a winner-take-all game, Stephen. That's the point. No, no, just win game two, get it over with, and nobody will, we, we won't be able to talk about that on this podcast and, Nobody else will be able to talk about it on theirs. Sounds good to me. All right, tomorrow we got another one, another post game for you guys. Keep an eye out for that. Quick reminder, uh, you can message us through Facebook, Twitter, email info at HoustonSportsTalk.net. Tell your friends about us and stay healthy and safe, everybody. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.